can I say not that I'm fully a ma- I'm not a massive Nicolas Cage fan, but I am a Nicolas Cage fan. I give him the benefit of the doubt more often than I or that I would with <laughs> other actors. And this and my mother was visiting from small town Quebec, and I said, "Have I know you haven't seen it, but." you should watch The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. And she said, well, are you going to watch it with me? I went, yeah, of course. And so I watched it for the second, maybe third time in two weeks. And it's it's such a good movie. Yeah. I thought it was. I agree. I think I watched it three times in two weeks as well when it came out. <laughs> so whether or not you've heard any of the episodes of can't sell this the format's really simple it's a basic conversation but it's funny i normally don't introduce the person i let the person introduce themselves but i have to say i really like your about page and i'm almost ready to just read it straight out but i'm not going to do that but (laughs) i am (laughs) going i am going to say you read really well like you're like like there's no way i wouldn't go yeah if i wanted to talk nicholas cage I would talk to Lindsay because it seems like that's what people do. You're listening to Can't Sell This, a podcast about creativity, creatives, and their process with your hosts, Hugh Elliott and Stefan Grambart. Along that vein, I am talking to Lindsay Gibb. (laughs) <laughs> who is a Nicolas Cage scholar, among other things, but a Nicolas yes. Cage scholar, right? Which yes. I've read in your about page. <laughs> people, people have called me that. <laughs> so Would you not? I, Would you not do I that? Accept it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. And you and you have written a book about Nick Cage, mm-hmm. National Treasure, Nicolas Cage, and yes. it's available on everywhere. That it yep. can be purchased, correct. And um, but that—that's not all. That's not all. You're out. You also have a Winona Ryder. Is it a podcast? A Winona yes. Ryder podcast? Yeah, it's a podcast. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's really interesting. What? What part of? Here's the question, actually. And this is my first question, <laughs> and maybe my second. Since I said went on a writer podcast, that was a very questioning yeah. tone. But here's <laughs> here's my real first question, Lindsay. What about is it is it an era that you're more attracted to when it comes to like Nicolas Cage and, and Winona Ryder? Most especially Winona, when I think about it, is more of an '80s and '90s and early '90s star, right? And Nicolas Cage too at that time was kind of in this big sphere of like ultra stardom that he was starting to enter into around the nineties. And I remember so many movies before leaving Las Vegas that were like, he's, he's killing it, you know? So is it, is it that time frame that is more to your liking than sort of the heavy CGI superhero junk stuff that's going on now? Or is it something else about those two Um, people? So I think I think I'm definitely a person who, uh, I don't know, for lack of a better term, suffers from nostalgia. (laughs) So yes, there's that. But I I don't actually think that's, I mean, maybe as I describe why I I, uh, was attracted to both of them, it'll come out that, that, yes, you're right. Um, But (laughs) I think with Nicolas Cage, it was more that, hmm, what time period was it? I guess the late 
just before like 2010-ish, I would say, I was just watching some movies and they happened to have Nicolas Cage in them. And then people that I worked with were like, Nicolas Cage is terrible or like would make fun of certain movies. And I'd be like, what are you talking about? Nicolas Cage is wonderful. So yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Or at least I'd seen enough movies that he was in that I thought he was good in them and that people were wrong when they made fun of him. So then I kind of went down a rabbit hole with him. Right. Uh, With Winona, it was more that um, when I was in my teens and twenties, I looked quite a bit like Winona Ryder. And so people actually would like, call me Winona or like somebody actually thought I was her once. And so that's kind of what led to the Winona Ryder thing was just my like personal connection to her. (laughs) (laughs) If she only knew, if she only knew, Oh, does she know? Like if you do know, okay. I don't think a podcast about Winona Ryder is Winona Ryder aware of the podcast is the question. I mean, I have no idea. There's always the possibility, but I'm not aware of it. And I don't, I don't know if if she's particularly active on social media, so it's not one of those things she's going to stumble into unless she's ego Googling or something, which (laughs) actors do. That's actually true about both of them. They're both not really social media people. Yeah. So So. it's highly unlikely either will hear this episode of (laughs) can't sell this. (laughs) Right. I'm safe now. One of the, one of the best things of, uh, uh, to, for me about the podcast is that it's my podcast in particular is, is that it's not about anything specific. It's really about, it's about your interests and why you've gone down this particular track to, and, 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 and direction for yourself. I find it really interesting because of the fact that you, you're a librarian and you do all this other stuff so that it's always this sort of side thing that you're doing for your just for your own benefit and it and because it's so interesting to other people that's what brings it to the forefront you know mm-hmm. there should be a question in there i'm sorry i just sort of <laughs> no, that's okay. i'm just i'm just but commenting <laughs> i think that that's true of like so i was a journalist for i don't know eight years or something mm-hmm. and then i decided that it was tiring and i didn't want to <laughs> just be doing that for a living and so that's when i became a librarian or went you know got myself educated to be a librarian and my plan with journalism from there was to just write about things that i was like really passionate about and really wanted to write about so i guess that's sort of where that comes from that i've focused recently uh nicholas cage did a an ama on reddit where it sort of came out somebody had asked him like all the work that he's all like just every single movie sort of thing from a certain point on sort of questionable roles. And, and, and they said, you know, why, why would you choose those roles? And he admitted that he was taking care of his mom. He became very, very human in a, in a Mm -hmm. very short period, just before unbearable way to massive talent came out. Um, As a person who is sort of considered an expert, was that something you were aware of when you were like, oh, well, looking at these movies that he's been making, we're like, wow, man, leaving Las Vegas and now drive angry, you know, like, was that something you were, you were consistent? Like you said, oh, that's kind of consistent with how he, he is. Or did you see it as something different? 
that he was trying to make money for various things, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was aware that he had debts related Mm -hmm. to properties that he owned and things like that. I'm not sure that I knew about the mom Mm. bit. Like, I was aware of his mother and that she had mental health issues for most of his life. And I wasn't sure where she was at, I guess, at that time. Right. Um, But um, I, I... think I kind of argued against the idea that he was totally doing it for money. Like I, I was aware that that was a factor, but um, I think that he was always trying to find um, something good out of what he was trying to like, whatever Mm -hmm. role he was taking. And so he was using it as sort of an education too, like in, in like trying new things and being, like in different genres or I don't know, finding yeah. different things to do with different roles that he took, even if the movie wasn't amazing. Well, so and, and that was that's what, what I focused on. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what I, I think he points that out as well. He says, you know, like I still put my all into every role. It's not like I'm phoning it in. And I think that was one of the interesting things watching the movie with my mom is she's not familiar with Nicolas Cage. Like I mean, she, she knows who he is, of course, but she's not a, like she's like, oh boy, I, I sure remember Red Rock West from the nineties. And <laughs> yeah, you know, but it's not. like but I listen, Red I always mention Red Rock West as being one. as it's being a, a, a well Nicolas known. Cage movie because it's not well known. It's just one of those movies yeah. that you know, I mean it's got Dennis Hopper and Lara Flynn Boyle and it, it is one of those Nicolas Cage movies that I can trot out as being one of the yeah. ones that really triggered me as being like, Oh, I'm a fan of this guy. Because the movie yeah. was 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 quite good um but people focus on the stuff you see on netflix and you know he's just everywhere on netflix but i'm like dude you need to go back to the 90s nicholas cage 90s is like the golden era of nicholas cage movies that's it people i think just kind of know their own era of nicholas cage or like i don't know i remember i was i think when i was working on the book or when i was at least doing my like little film club that i had uh, where we would watch a Nicolas Cage movie mm. every month. Um, uh, I was out with one of my friends that was in that film club and we were like at a burrito place <laughs> and we were talking about <laughs> Nicolas Cage. And then the person behind that worked at the burrito place was like, are you talking about Nicolas Cage? And was just basically going on about how terrible he was. And I was like, have you seen adaptation? And he's now, like, hold on don't a even second. know what that is. Adaptation. <laughs> I know. I was, like, yeah. things and he's like, don't know what that is. Don't know what that is. And I'm like, well, that's, problem you yeah. only know these like weird bad <laughs> yeah and it's funny like i actually i had completely forgotten about him in that adaptation which is yeah you know chris cooper is like incredible that's... in that and but he is also incredible in that and i think it's yeah i really do enjoy his work and i i think yeah i think he hasn't been given a fair shake by fandom now because of the fact that they just you're right like you tend to watch from the area you're from that's why i wrote my book i wanted to defend him after all the people you know, I knew saying he's not good. And I, you know, at the time when I was like uh, a novice in Nicolas mm. Cage, I was like, he's good in seven <laughs> movies. And then I would watch more and more movies and add to that number. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you thought about any other, are there any other actors where you're kind of going like, oh, I, you know, I think I could probably get into this person and, you know, like, I, I, I don't, like- Obviously, it's not just going to be Winona Ryder, Nicolas Cage forever. It's got to be no. <laughs> other people. Other people. Yeah, I'm. Huh, that's a good question. I feel like I watch 
somebody in something and I'll be like, wow, I really like that person. We need to go down that rabbit hole. But I just haven't gone yet down other ones. There's the the people who, um, I guess, they don't produce it. The people who like put out our Winona Ryder podcast, they're like the podcast network that puts us out. They had a Nicolas Cage podcast and that's how I kind of got in with them was they invited me on their podcast. But the the podcast they did after the Nicolas Cage podcast was Keanu Reeves. And I felt like that was kind of a natural place to go. People's champion, Keanu Reeves. (laughs) Someone to defend, though he seems to not need the defense that much people he doesn't love need him. it all yeah and i mean <laughs> he's done some real dogs like i mean he's he's not Keanu reeves has not done um, all amazing movies true you know but he's just a super sweet dude who's had a lot of tragedy and you know you're kind of like yeah. man that guy he's uh you know he seems like a really down-to-earth fella that's it people love him and they forgive uh mm-hmm. a lot because yeah. of it <laughs> yeah and no Which you know I think what's I think what's great is there's a line in Unbearable Way to Master Talent, which he uses a couple of times, which is like you're back. Not that we went anywhere. And yeah. I just love that the idea that he's just traveling through life honestly going like I'm famous. I've I've been famous. I am famous. I'm just I'm, i just loved it. I think it was one of the most re it was a, a real moment where there's an actor who's struggling with all of it and going like, no, I am valid and i am important i just i was super it was cute you know yeah it was very cute (laughs) (laughs) which he probably wouldn't want me to say but i don't know him personally so it doesn't matter i can say if i want i can say he's cute it's fine he uh, he might be fine with it might be fine with it (laughs) um have you had occasion to actually meet uh nicholas cage in person no no i haven't i've gone to some screenings yeah i read something here yeah um yeah before my book when i was working on the book like pretty early phases of it i went to see joe at uh tiff like the film festival Mm -hmm. and he was there and that was kind of the time that i was reaching out to the pr people and saying i'm writing a book about him can i interview him while he's in town and i would say that pr people who are promoting a movie want to get him in with newspapers and like places that are immediately going to promote that movie and aren't so interested in a book that's going to come out years from now. So I didn't make it very far with that. And I thought about continuing to press, but then I thought, you know what, I'm happy to just, you know, reflect upon him and talk to other like fans or like people who are making weird media based on him, like get like gifts and things like that. So that's that's the direction I ended up taking. So here's the question I have. Have you sent a copy to Nicolas Cage? I haven't personally. I think that I had access to IMDb Pro at the time that uh, my book was coming out. And I did send my publisher some information to to try and send it to to him. So I think they they possibly control of that. Also, after my book came out. Um, you may be aware that a guy in Toronto was Nicolas Cage's stand-in for 10 years. No. Um, Okay, so from like the 90s till like, yeah, the early 2000s or mid-2000s, this guy from Toronto uh, was his stand-in. What is that? Sorry, what does that mean? What does that mean, stand-in? So that meant 
So he, uh, like when when in films, when they're setting up the shots and stuff, they have somebody stand there. Okay. And and be him. Uh, so okay. they have to dress like him and whatever and, and wear, I think he had to wear lifts because he's a little bit shorter than Nicholas Kate, like things like that. So he, huh. but he was like part of his entourage uh, for 10 years because okay. Cage had his own like makeup person, hair person, whatever, and stand in <laughs> who were like went along with them. And so this guy found me. And then they bought a, then they bought a bucket with a mop and they put a hair piece on <laughs> it when. Look, it's the same height. Look, perfect. Yeah. Just in case he's listening, I'm really sorry. I don't know your name, but I, I apologize <laughs> if you're like, oh my God, what an a-hole that Hugh is. So anyways, you were saying, I, I, I totally... Um, so he was, he bought a, a number of copies of my book, I think, and was going to try and get it to, oh, to people. Amazing. That was nice. He he got, I think I, I persuaded him that Nicolas Cage is one of the best actors. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, he's making a documentary now about his life as a stand in. Really? He actually had a short at Hot Ducks a few years ago that I wrote about for Now Magazine because my beat is now Nicolas Cage. Okay. Was so, it called Uncaged? Was was his dog called Uncaged? I actually <laughs> What is the what is the stand in's name? He's not no his longer. His name is the Marco. Yeah, it is called Uncaged colon a stand-in story oh, from 2019. Uncaged. And his name is Mike Marco Curis, I think that's how you pronounce his last name. K-Y-R-I-S. He and I went to Scotland to the Nicolas Cage uh, film festival that takes place there every January. It, it took place for three years. They stopped oh, in 2020 was the last one. Because of the because of the pandemic or because I'm of I'm not sure. I think maybe they were planning to stop anyway, but oh. um so yeah, 2020 was the year that we finally went to the fest. It was kind of coincidence that we both decided to go the same year. So then they had me interview him there. Oh. That's great. <laughs> so I interviewed a guy from Toronto and Scott. <laughs> you know. Well, I'm interviewing you in Toronto. We live four blocks yeah. apart. And I'm still That's doing true. it over Zoom. So That's right. Yep. I don't know. Just it's it's become so much easier. Um totally. where do you see this going? Is it going are you just going to maintain it or is it like do you see any kind of build up for both the Winona podcast and the Nicolas Cage stuff, or is it more about what each of those individuals is doing? Because Winona Ryder has had a bit of a resurgence as well with Stranger Things, right? Totally, yeah. Um, I don't know. I like. I definitely had feelings as um, unbearable weight was coming. That you mm -hmm. know, I, I got my like journalistic. I I have to write an article. Like, yeah, I'd be the I'd be the person. So like in January, because the movie came out in April. Right. I was like, oh, I guess I better start pitching people. But then I just kind of decided not to. <laughs> right. And was like, you know what? Is Nicolas Cage going to be my thing or am I going to do other stuff? <laughs> like, I don't need to stick with Nicolas Cage. So then it ended up that people started reaching out to me and I was just being interviewed for other people's oh, okay. articles about him. So And that felt like an okay place to be with that. I didn't need to write about him again. I have right. written something about Moonstruck kind of recently because it's the anniversary, like the 35th anniversary. It's always the anniversary of something. something right? so, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I've done that and, and I might write the odd thing, but I'm trying not to make it everything that I do now. Um, and with Winona, I think we'll just do episodes as more 
stuff comes out that we've been okay. a little slow because she has put out two things since we stopped recording. So we just have to catch up. And what, sorry, I should I should ask, what is the Winona Writer podcast called again? It's called Winona Forever. Winona Forever. <laughs> I have a show notes page. I do show notes oh, pages. Oh, yeah. Episodes, so I want to make sure I have everything listed as 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 I should. That makes sense. Yeah, CageClub.me. Yeah, the guys who did the Nicholas Cage podcast. That was their first podcast. Was the Nicholas Cage one, and then they did more, and then they started building a, a network oh. of people who did like pop culture kind of oh, podcast. Cool. Yeah, and, and and so when was your last episode of Winona Forever? It was like February. I'm gonna. I'm guessing February 2020. I think, and we had just finished mm. uh, everything that she'd done. It wasn't pandemic related at all. But then Rekka, my co-host in the podcast, also um, had a baby and stuff. Oh, so there was okay. like all of that that also kind of slowed us from picking back up again with the the new stuff that she's done, which is only like two things so <laughs> we can catch up we can, can catch, catch up, up in a couple of episodes yeah. uh that's yeah. interesting i you know it's funny you know um the guy that had told me about taking a hiatus he he runs uh the talking dead which is the walking dead podcast and and they've been going since the walking dead started the show started so they've been going for 12 years or something um and they do an episode twice a week it's a little bit easier when there's something oh, consistent yes. happening around your subject right like when it's yeah. someone who really isn't standing up and doing something all the time it's it's a little bit more difficult yeah like with her we we started with her filmography just from like the beginning and just went in chronological order right. so when we hit the end we were like okay we're done <laughs> i guess we'll come <laughs> back when she does more things but then she did something, I'm not going to remember what it's called, but it was an HBO like mini series type thing. And we just, I don't know, it was right at the beginning of the pandemic. It was like kind of political, I think. And it was oh, okay. just not the thing for that moment that I was in the mood to watch her. And I think Rekka just had a baby. So we were both just like, nope. Mm. <laughs> and then, yeah. I don't even remember if Rekka Anyways, whatever. The timeline didn't work for us. And we were just like, it's a pandemic. We're not expected to do anything. <laughs> so, yeah, now we want to get back on it, right. especially because Stranger Things uh, season four has come out. And I haven't watched it because I want to watch it right before talking about it. Because for sure. I will forget and not have anything to say. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I'm holding off, but it's hard. <laughs> Was it the was it the plot against America TV it was miniseries? The plot against America, yes. She plays Evelyn Finkel. Yeah, I did watch one episode, and I, I was just it, like, not in the mood for this. I'm sure it's good. I was just uh, eh, not not the thing. That I, I mean, on the on the positive side, the, the next thing in the list is Sarah Cooper. Everything's fine, and she is uh, credited as Lacey Groin. Oh so wow, that's. Hmm going to be a, is that heck a of a short? watch is it long is it, it a just a tv special mm, yeah i wonder how hard that'll be to to find oh it's sarah cooper oh sarah cooper okay yeah probably not that hard to find yeah we'll see sarah cooper is the one who did all the uh lip syncing to donald trump uh, yeah there we go 
what, what would I want to ask somebody who's, I don't have any specific questions about Nicolas Cage. And that's the, that's the okay. interesting, the interesting thing is, is that this is not an, this is not an interview about Nicolas Cage. This is an interview about Lindsay Gibb. And right. that's where I'm, I'm really curious about, I went to a screening of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series and it was put on by Disney in Toronto. And it was like six and something hours of sitting in a theater with a whole bunch of people who are part of the 501st. And when you talk about fandom and you talk about star Wars, the 501st is kind of the upper nerds. They're the highest level of nerd that could exist when it comes to fandom. And I realized that I am a fan of star Wars, Mm -hmm. but I am not a fanatic. And there's people who are fanatical and there's whoop. And there are people who are fans. Do you see yourself as just a really well, um, well read for lack of a better term fan, than you are a fanatic or are you kind of sort of a low level fanatic or a high level Mm. fanatic? I don't think I'm a high level fanatic. I think if I was, well, maybe this isn't true because maybe not all fanatics want to meet their idols, but like, I think I would have tried a lot harder to meet Nicolas Cage if I was like completely fanatical about him. Yeah. I think I just try and keep up with what he's doing in part because I'm interested in part because it's almost my job to now. (laughs) Like not not that I'm, you know, that active in the whole like, being interviewed about Nicolas Cage thing, but it, it comes up now and then. And I don't know. I just, you know, whenever people reach out to me and say like, Oh, you're an expert. I'm always afraid they're going to quiz me. <laughs> so I want to stay on top so that I'm like able to handle sure. a quiz. But I think, but uh, I think, I, I think in situations like that, where, where it's, you know, there is, there is a difference between, I think the words matter. I think that being an expert versus being an authority yeah. on on a given subject you can be an authority on Nicolas Cage and still need to look stuff up yeah <laughs> you oh, absolutely you can also you can be an expert or an authority or whatever on anything and yeah. still be a person with a really bad memory like me yeah. <laughs> it's just like I mean if they, had, uh, if they yeah. started to like timeline things you'd be like well I don't know that's not something I keep in my head you know what I mean yeah, like exactly. so such and such came out before such and such did you know and it's like well sure I mean I could look it up just the way you did but you know <laughs> it's not about I always yeah. I always am it's kind of it's funny because at one point like I was an expert in flash development and it was the questions it was always like I had to come up with answers to really, really difficult things on the fly. And I'm like, that's just not how development works. Right. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, I'm really exactly. good at this job, but it's a job that I do sitting at a computer with the internet at my fingertips. And that's what being a Nicholas Cage scholar is. Yeah. I, I totally agree. I, I'm a, I'm a teacher now too. So like mm. part of that, when I, when I'm teaching and like when I'm giving tests as I feel that way as well, like, are these people ever going to have to like pull this information out of their brains without being able to look somewhere for yeah, it? Yeah. No. <laughs> but I gotta make them take a test. On it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I think you can, I think you can have respect for the environment without, while still being realistic about expectations, you know? Totally. Yeah. Because I, I don't, I, I can't imagine it. And I, I don't think it, I'm sure you've never actually had an interview that's just plain old combative when it comes to, 
you know, like people invite you on to talk. They're not there to attack you about it. There was. So oh. when, oh, when I was writing, uh, when I, I guess it was when the book was done, but I, it hadn't come out yet. And um, Q contacted me because mm. they were doing an episode where they were going to have um, like an anti cage person and a oh, pro weird. cage person debate. Oh. oh. Good the the whole Nicholas Cage good or bad thing, which I've heard right. an, uh, a number of uh, episodes of things where that is debated, and so mm-hmm. they wanted obviously me to be on the good side, but um, I was in Iceland at the time, so and they needed to like <laughs> test me ahead of time, and I was yeah. like, yeah, I'm not going to call you from Iceland, <laughs> and so it wasn't me. They had um, I think it was Nathan Rabin that they ended up having, and it was two Americans they ended up having on it. It was a guy mm. from like the New York Post, I think, who was the anti cage person, and so I, in some ways, I was glad not to be in that position because I'm not a great debater, and I don't think right. I would have wanted to debate some like really anti-cage person well because it's well that makes no sense because it's you're talking about personal taste like this yeah like debating personal taste makes no sense to me i got a friend who's whose uh partner absolutely hates crocs and uh, just to goad her i will wear crocs around her because i because i know that just really irritates her but i mean like that's not i'm not trying to debate whether or not crocs are any good i just know that they're super comfy Right. <laughs> I know yeah. they're stupid, but they're very comfortable, which is, you know, let me live my life, man. Well, I was recently at a friend's wedding where somebody at the wedding that I didn't know found out that I wrote a book about Nicolas Cage and then decided to tell another person that I didn't know uh, that this was a fact about me. And that person <laughs> was very adamantly like, why are you lying to me? Why would anybody write a book about Nicolas Cage? <laughs> and like was really getting angry. And so I only got like really heated because I was just like, these people are not lying to you. It's true. Let's just move on. <laughs> but she thought that I was mad at her. And she's like, it's just personal taste when she finally found out that it was a true fact. That's um, and I was like, yeah, I'm not mad at you that you don't like Nicolas Cage. I mean, I think you should read my book and be convinced otherwise. But, <laughs> but you know, uh, it's not that. I was just like, how can I convince you that we're not lying to you about something really strange? <laughs> well, we and, and inconsequential. Up? Like, the, that's the sort yeah, of thing. exactly. <laughs> I, remember, I remember, you know, back in the day, you couldn't look things up. And immediately get the answer. And there right. was a, you know, you you get into those arguments with people who had had a, a bunch of drinks, and you're like, dude, I'm not, I'm not here to argue with you. I, I'm just telling you what's a fact. Yeah. You know. And now it's so much easier because when I start to get in an argument, I'm just like, what if I looked it up? What if I just <laughs> looked it up on my phone, and then you and I can get over this? You know. Yeah. Like it would have been exactly. so easy just to go like, here's the IMDb, here's the, you know. <laughs> Not the INDB. What what is it for books? Like, like here's the listing of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah here's the Goodreads of it. That's what the other the guy who started the whole thing ended up doing, and that's right. when she was like, "Oh my god." Yeah, it's so <laughs> but, easy to not argue about stuff. It's just yeah. like I mean, it is, but but it it is way too easy to argue when it comes to personal tastes. Yeah, and that would be if uh, you know this whole person going like, "Why would you ever do that?" It's like, well, because that's what I like. You know, well, and that's I mean, that's the uh, the reason, too, is that I was defending him against people who right. don't like him. So anytime I encounter people who are like, 
ew, Nicolas Cage. I'm like, well, there you go. That's that's the reason I wrote the book because there's still people like that out there. <laughs> Nonsense. Nonsense. Have you not yeah. seen Face Off? Come exactly. on. Exactly. <laughs> well, yes. I am. I am. I'm a. I am a Nicolas Cage fan. I am. A, I really am. It's. It's such a funny. It's such a funny thing because I actually have had those discussions with people, where, where I'm like, why? How can you hate him? Like how? And they're like, well, he's corny. I'm like, who isn't corny? Like, there's, oh, I love Tom Hardy. Well, Tom Hardy is inaudible. Like, I have to crank up or show subtitles or, you know, who I can hear speak? Nicholas Cage. <laughs> That's Nicholas. That man enunciates. Point. That man enunciates <laughs> to a, a high degree, man. That's a. It's often, a great I really enjoy his voice. I think he's maybe not the greatest at accents, though. It's still fun to hear him do accents, but yeah. like. I love his actual like natural speaking voice and I've yeah. always wanted him to just narrate books because I would listen to it. It's I have I have <laughs> two great. things. I like how he mispronounces things and it never gets <laughs> called on. Yeah. Do you remember in Gone in 60 Seconds where he says let's sit around the campfire and have s'mores? <laughs> like he didn't say s'mores and no one said cut. Hold on, Nick Nick. They're, yeah. they're they're called s'mores. <laughs> oh, I thought it was some mores. <laughs> Right. Like I, I just loved it that and that made it through Timothy Oliphant sitting there in the in the scene, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, is there not a reason we're not going into the fact that you said that weird? And then when he did in uh, Unbearable Way to Master Tell, Medulla Omlongata, he said it like Medulla Omlongata. And I'm like, oh, it's another Nicolas Cage pronunciation issue. Yeah, you know, and it just I loved it. <laughs> he says things so strangely sometimes and it's just. Yeah. You know, I'm like, dude, I, I love you, but you really, you need to have someone stop you when you say something like that. So you don't sound like a goofball, but maybe right. I like a s'mores, I think was intentional. Like, I don't think it was yeah. intentional. I think nobody just went, you know what? Fuck it. It's not that kind of movie. He can say s'mores if he wants, but Medulla Oblongata, like, I really <laughs> think he should have had someone go like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is a, <laughs> this is a part of your brain and we need you to say it right yeah yeah you're 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 having a, a moment you know i feel like in especially that line because it came out you know twice in the movie for specific reasons yeah. and in ways that were very like him acting and yeah. i feel like he practiced those things like of course he's an actor he practiced those things but i mm -hmm. think he like very specifically got the down the way that he was gonna say it and so like potentially there's a reason <laughs> that he pronounced oh, it gosh. that way but i, I mean, have no idea <laughs> yeah okay i'll i'll let that I, i'm not letting it go <laughs> yeah i'm not that's letting you don't it have go to let, i'm not saying it that, to convince you i'm just uh yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but um, anyway, sorry. And, I, you know, it's funny. He also gets reintroduced to a, a younger demographic uh, with uh, a younger action demographic with Kick-Ass as Big Daddy. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's like this. It was such a great well, it was such a great movie in general, but also his role was so great as the like vengeful father who teaches his uh, young daughter to maim and kill. You know? Yeah. <laughs> He was great. But then yeah. um, uh, doing animated stuff with the Croods, like I just thought it was so much fun to watch that with my kids and, and go like, oh, there's Nick. There's my Nick. Very happy to see you, buddy. Yep. My uh, uh, my Nicolas Cage club at the time we went and saw the Croods, the first one together. Mm -hmm. 
yeah. just a bunch of adults going to see the Croods. That's hey man, but, you gotta do what you gotta do. Yep. Here's here's a question: What <laughs> is the most underrated Nicolas Cage movie that you would say you oh, really God. need to you you as listeners really need to see? Hmm. Underrated Nicolas Cage. That's tough. Um, I'm going to IMDb. I would usually look at my shelf. I have like a shelf of mm. all his movies, but Matt's downstairs with them. <laughs> <laughs> See, because I can I'm, think of I'm a bunch. Look at I, a list. No, 100%. Look at the list. <laughs> because, because, you know, when people go like, oh, if I'm going to watch while you're, while you're searching, if I'm going to watch yeah. Nicolas Cage, like Con Air, Face Off, The Rock is, is instant classic. You can watch it once every six months and have no problem with it. Um, leaving Las Vegas, if you want to cry and then, um, you know, adaptations, fantastic. Um, national treasure, Lord of war. Oh my gosh. He's got such great movies. So many I mean, anytime movies. I like, I don't think this movie is underrated because I feel like it's come out a lot recently, but vampires kiss is the one that I always say, well, I think it's my favorite of his okay. movies. Um, but I don't think it's underrated. I think no. it's p- potentially unknown to a segment of society. Well, now, yeah, now. Um, but it comes out more like when he talks about his favorite roles that he's done. Up until recently, he was saying Vampire's Kiss. I think recently, is he saying his new movie? I can't remember what he said in like the AMA. I feel right. like, oh no, he said pig. Pig is the one that pig he is, says now. Pig is, is his so favorite. good. Oh my God. Pig is yep. so good. And it was, it again, it was one of those things that I think I saw it. I think I saw it. And then I talked to Matt and said, like, I really need to talk to Lindsay about Nicholas Cage. And I'm, <laughs> I'm willing to so bring good. my, I'm willing to bring my podcast out of hiatus specifically so I can have a conversation about Nicolas Cage uh, with Lindsay because Pig was so incredible. And it was, it's like, he's, it's sort of like he's accepted and, and moved into this whole new persona of Nick Cage, as opposed to like the big bombastic. And yet, and yet shortly after his unbearable way to massive talent and it's big bombastic Nick Cage, but it's, it's all about introspection and, and, um, learning about yourself so maybe maybe i don't know i think joe like i know i already mentioned joe when i was Mm -hmm. talking about what movies i i saw him in person at the first time it was joe but i think that that's just still a movie that people don't know as much it was an indie kind of film uh what's his name david gordon green uh the director um yeah and it's just it's kind of cage being a little more naturalistic than one is used to seeing him yeah <laughs> do but it's it's just a really great movie and i think that it's a, i think it's one of those examples that you could point to when people are you know demanding that he's a bad actor not just like that they don't like his movies or whatever um that you can't argue that yeah. he's a bad actor if you watch that movie yeah and and uh and uh wild at heart wild at heart is, is one of my favorites it is it's it's a it's one of my our mutual friend mike bartlett mm-hmm. mike's one of mike's favorite movies so wild at heart was a movie that i mean i was in school holy crap so wild at heart came out in 1990 i must have watched wild at heart with mike eight times oh, and wow. it was just something about the the snakeskin jacket monologue 
but yes. it being a symbol of individuality and uh belief in personal freedom belief in personal freedom <laughs> yeah and it's just all about like it's just as so many little lines came out of that incidentally you know that we're just like oh yeah wild at heart wild at heart was was a nick cage fan favorite for, that was for, definitely for one of the seven when i was saying nicholas cage is good in seven movies oh really <laughs> early on that was one of the seven yeah wild at heart <laughs> Um, Peggy Sue got married, raising Arizona. Um, yeah. and I would, I would, I would say the rock 100% fast times. I mean, he's, <laughs> he's in it. He's in it. Sure. I don't know if you could say he's good in it. Cause you barely get to see him. But, no, but he's I mean, good Valley, in fast Girl, times. Valley Girl, Valley Girl, Moonstruck is just one of my favorite movies. It's a surprise to me that I would love it as much as I do, but I watch it multiple times a year. Uh, is it any surprise to you that I have not actually seen Moonstruck? Yeah, no, I'm not a share person, it's, so yeah, it's like that's fair. She is. I also haven't seen mermaids. Amazing, and I, I, <laughs> so, ooh, that's Winona. <laughs> I know, but that's my that's what I'm saying. Like I've missed yeah. Winona because I I I, I not, I'm not a big share acting fan. But I mean, maybe I need to watch Moonstruck now that I'm older. Maybe it was yeah, because I, I was mean, younger. She's... I can't say that I totally know what Cher's acting is like, because I don't think I've seen too much that she's in, mm. um, but she's great in this. And uh, Norman Jewison directed it. <laughs> get well, some Canadian content there. There we go. CanCon. <laughs> yeah. I'm all of a sudden going to get my uh, my Ontario tax credit because I had some CanCon. Thank you, Lindsay. I appreciate that. No problem. I've never I done do that what I can. 100% produced in Canada. <laughs> And uh, it was you know. it was largely filmed in Toronto, I think, on like sound stages and stuff in Toronto. Like there was New York scenes that were filmed in New York, but a lot mm -hmm. of it was filmed here. Hmm. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> OK, so did we did we. Oh, yeah. Sorry. You did say what was the what was the movie? I'm sorry. I, I totally just forgot. What was the movie? Um, I said this underrated? Vampire's Kiss. Oh, Vampire's, Vampire's Kiss. Kiss is my favorite. Is is your favorite? Okay. What what would you like to see him do? What would you like to see mm. Nicolas Cage do? So when I finished my book, I said I wanted to see him do horror, but I think he really did go ahead and do that after. Uh -huh. So that that was good. I was happy about that. He has said he wants to do a musical next. I'm kind of intrigued. <laughs> uh, I know he likes. Thing. I know he oh. likes. Yeah, I know. I know. This is an audio only podcast, everybody. I just yeah. pulled my teeth out and just. I sucked so hard yeah. on my teeth right there. I don't. Yeah, you're not I, sure about that. He, you know, mm, he sings a lot in his movies. Singing um, a lot and being a good singer are not the same true, thing. True, not the same thing. Yeah. I feel like I've seen him do so much that it's now hard to think mm. of what he hasn't done that I would want to see him do. I would like to see him do a Western. Well, that is happening uh, at TIFF this year. <gasps> what? Are you <laughs> Butcher, serious? Butcher's Crossing, I think it's called. Oh, is my God. Coming to TIFF this year. And I think a frontier it, yeah, epic Butcher's about an Ivy League dropout as he travels to the Colorado wilderness. Oh, oh, Buffalo Hunters. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> but the uh, uh, did you see uh Prey, the, the new Predator movie? I haven't yet. Uh if you can do, okay, because it's it's an excellent it's excellent. 
but one of the things they show is is a field full of bison that have been skinned by by uh Mm. buffalo hunters and it's uh mm-hmm. oh my god there's a picture of nicholas cage in a big buffalo jacket and he's bald he's got his head shaved and he's got a great beard yep i'm very excited for this movie now <laughs> there you go <laughs> you don't See, this know. is what i mean it's so hard because the minute you think of something it's like oh no he's done that so oh <laughs> thomas hayden church is it. in it oh that's exciting mm-hmm. thomas hayden church is in it as well yep <laughs> listen Lindsay, in incredible conversation i really have enjoyed myself i know that i can be a bit of a handful sometimes conversationally but no it's fun i've really enjoyed this conversation thanks for having Um, me do you uh do you have any sort of parting words or insights or anything it this is a free form situation (laughs) i'm not guiding you down a down a path Mm -hmm. so if there's anything you'd like to say that that sort of is there anything coming up that you want to talk about or is there anything that you uh, feel wasn't covered that you'd like to talk about? Of course, I am drawing a blank. Which is the easiest drawing to do. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I hate that that's no, my dad I'm joke. Not a that's my dad joke. Has anything to plug. I also don't, I'm not good at like words of wisdom or anything like that. Well, I, uh, I I can I can say please leave no. me <laughs> to what you're thinking. I can give, I can give you no 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 I don't I don't have a I don't have yeah, anywhere yeah, to yeah. lead you but I do have something okay. to say and it's I think it's important to recognize that the things you enjoy may not be enjoyed by everyone sure but you can always find other people that enjoy the same thing and that to me is what what makes it all worthwhile totally there is something not that you need to have detractors to make you love something but i think that it can make you love something even stronger because yeah you just yeah you believe in that thing yeah yeah. i mean (laughs) it i think i mean we're we're in a very polarized world right now where if someone is against something you you believe in you you really dig your heels in Mm -hmm. and and it happens to a much lesser degree when it's just about things you enjoy so i yeah i don't think there's anything wrong with if someone says like how can you how can you like that actor he's a big dumb goofball it's like well do you know about this yeah exactly just turn them on to the the good things yeah yeah yeah. Hey, you've never been caged and just like have some kind of catchphrase <laughs> that makes it feel very <laughs> makes it feel very real. Have you do you have a catchphrase, by the way? Do you have a catchphrase about Nicolas Cage? No? No. Do you not think you should have one? When someone says like, Oh, I hate Nicolas Cage, and you're like, You've never been caged, or something just to get them all worked up. I think I wrote a few things when I was uh, like when my book was coming out and I needed to sign books so that I'd have things to say. The only one I remember was uh, actually from um, Community, which was Always Be Caging, which was from (laughs) from that uh, class (laughs) they taught. Uh, So I think I wrote that in a few books. (laughs) Which is a Glengarry Glenn Ross Right? Always, always be, be closing. closing yeah always be caging yeah well here's here's my offer people and now that we're nearing the end of the episode i am going to buy a copy of whoa. the book whoa i'm sure i can find one <laughs> yeah i'm gonna yeah, buy a copy can. of the book and i go i'm gonna go get it signed and i'm gonna <laughs> give walk it over to my house. yeah i'm gonna give it to a listener who oh. answers 
a skill testing question from within the episode that you've just uh-huh. listened to. Lindsay, can you hearken back to something you might have said that might seem a little hard to remember that they may go like, oh, 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 oh. Um, oh I do boy. have a question if you can't if you can't think of one. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> it can be uh, any question. It, honestly, any question. All I can think is like, what magazine did I used to edit? <laughs> That's the only one that I can think of. Oh, okay, yeah. Do you have something better? Sure. No, if there's you no such thing as better. better. Go for it. Well, uh, uh, I was going to say what what is um what is what was the name of Nicholas Cage's stand-in? Oh, that's better. I mean, it's, either one you could look up, but yes, because <laughs> I was like, they can look true. up the magazine. They can look too, it up, but... but they have to. But they have to have heard the whole episode to get to this point. Yes. So, listeners, yeah, you email me at uh, I'm going to say Hugh at cancelthispodcast.com um, because that is a <laughs> literal. <laughs> email address i was trying to remember it since i haven't said it out loud for a while i'm not (laughs) almost 100 (laughs) sure i'm not so hugh at cancelthispodcast.com put in um i want to be caged and and the subject and then answer the question what was the magazine that Lindsay used to edit and if you get that right there's gonna be a signed copy and it's for the first person that responds signed copy of the Nicolas Cage book that Lindsay wrote. And that book is called, I'm getting, <laughs> oh, National Treasure. Oh my God. That's so funny. I was like, why, why am I even looking it up? National Treasure, Nicolas Cage. And it's uh, a, a page turner that you will <laughs> never, <laughs> you won't be, you won't want to put it down. Popcorn and a book. And it's it's little, so you can read it in one sitting. And there are pictures. <laughs> no, there's no pictures. Oh, just just go with me on that. No, okay. so there are no pictures. <laughs> I'm just thinking about how in uh, in Jurassic Park, whether whenever they talk to Alan Grant, and they're like, "Oh, I read so and so's book," and and it's like it was this big, and he goes, "Yeah, yeah, yeah," but in yours was this big, and it had pictures. <laughs> <laughs> Gotcha. I was thinking, oh, that's supposed to be the big slap in the face. I'm like, that's not a slap. He's still a PhD. Um, anyways, Lindsay, thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I really, no really appreciate the conversation. Thanks for having me. It's been so great. This episode of Can't Sell This was produced in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. All creative content in this episode is copyright Hugh Elliott and Stefan Grambart. Questions or comments can be emailed to admin at cantsellthispodcast.com. Music for the podcast is provided by Not Of. Find Not Of at notof.bandcamp.com. Opening and closing voiceover provided by jeffwright.ca. If you enjoyed this episode, a like in whatever platform you use goes a long way to helping the podcast get noticed. Thanks for listening and keep creating. See you.